You are listening to The Rant with David King. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal. You know the, you know the thing. Doggy do on his shoes. Billy's dad is a fudge packer. Millions, as you witnessed, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. Go ahead. I've been saying it. I've been saying it for 10 damn years. Ain't I been saying it, Miguel? I've been saying it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Rant. I'm your host, David King. It is good to be here. It's good to be back on this Tuesday, the 11th. A lot to get to. We're going to talk a little CFP college football playoffs, or in this case, the college football championship game. Got some information news that came in last minute just before I kicked off the show. And New Year... New you, right? That's the big thing. It's the new year. So everybody has their New Year's resolutions and all the things that they want to do. And one of the big ones that everybody always talks about is health and diet, right? That's the, it's kind of like uh, the usual. Everybody wants to lose weight, get back into shape, you know, change a few bad habits. So we're going to talk about some some information that I have that I'm pretty passionate about because I went on a, I started going on a diet uh, in November and it's been working really good. And I think it works so good that I want to share it with you because if you're listening to this and you're starting um, a new year's resolution and maybe you haven't quite got there yet, this might be something that will help you out. Um, I'm very, I stand by this pretty strongly. So I'm excited to get into that uh, it's Tuesday, so that means yesterday was college football championship against Georgia and Alabama. If you listen to my episode uh, back in twenty back for twenty twenty two, you would know where I stand on the college football championship in this format. You would know that uh, it, in my mind, it it clearly doesn't work. Um, it's the system is broken. Uh, it's been broken for some time. It's it's really been broken since they implemented it. It didn't solve the problem of of making sure that the best teams or the or all or certain teams or all teams had the opportunity to become champions or go to the championship. You could make the argument that it, it's it's really when you really look at the brass tacks of it all. It the the college football playoffs is really just smoke and mirrors because. If in fact you took away the the playoff system, it would be the same. It it would it always be one and two, uh, in, in the championship game, um, pretty much Alabama and Georgia. Now you can say, well, Georgia wasn't ranked two, Michigan was ranked two. That is true, but Georgia ultimately was. Or were they ranked two, or were they ranked number one? Who was it that was ranked number two? I have to look that up. I apologize if I got that backwards. 
I think I might have gotten that backwards. But either way, um, Alabama and Georgia, number one, number two team in the nation, no doubt about it. Um, in terms of talent, there's just no, there's no doubt about it. They are the two best teams in, in, in college football. So you're probably thinking, well, Dave, then what's the big deal? They, that's who played in the championship. Isn't that who you want to play in the championship is the two, the two best teams in college football. Yeah. Um, normally yes, but when they come from the same conference, there can only be one. That's my biggest argument. Um, if, if we want to. If we want Alabama and Georgia to play each other in the national title, then get rid of conference championships because they're useless. They're, they don't mean anything. Everybody always says bowl games are, are, are pointless and they mean nothing. Well, then conference championships mean nothing, right? Just pick the team who has the most wins in the conference and just award it to them and then move on. Don't even have that game. Just take it out of the whole process. Because what you end up having is the situation we had today, or excuse me, last night. And someone had reached out to me and said, hey, you know, if Georgia wins, are you going to, you know, retract your statement? Like, are you going to change your opinion on the outcome of the playoffs? And I'm going to say no. I told him no because I'm not going to I'm not going to change. Um, he, he asked me, he said, so what will you say when UGA wins tomorrow? They still shouldn't have been there. And I said, yeah, I, I will still say they shouldn't have been there. And I still think they shouldn't have been there because it this this whole win, this win that Georgia has over Alabama doesn't really prove anything. And and in fact, it makes the matter worse. If the argument is we wanted the best, you know, it makes the situation worse if you wanted the best team to win. Because now Alabama and Georgia both have beaten each other once in the last three, was it three or four weeks? So they now they now each have a win over each other. And they're now tied essentially. So if this was like a best of three, you know, we need to go in and win, you know, in this situation, we need another game to figure out who's the better team. It really doesn't solve anything. And, you know, in a game such as football, where you can't have a best of three, best of five or best of seven, because of the, the, just the overall um, physicality of the game, it has to come down to one game. And you could say, well, that's the national championship. Wrong. The one game that Georgia had to prove that they were better than Alabama was the conference championship game, and they couldn't. They lost. Even though I think Georgia should have won that game, and I think we were all expecting them to, especially with the season they had. Um, you know, and I, I would say the same thing about Michigan. If Michigan had choked against Iowa in the Big Ten championship, they should not go to the playoffs, and frankly, they would not have gone to the playoffs. Everybody, they would have dropped out of the top five if they lost to Iowa. The whole point of the national championship playoffs were to simply and to simplify and fairly find the best team in the country. So having two teams that just recently played each other for a conference championship really wouldn't make sense. And I know that would irritate and frustrate Georgia fans to hear that. But at the end of the day, it's like you literally just got two games. You got two tries to beat Alabama. That's really what it comes down to. You guys couldn't do it the first time. Well, you did it the second time. Well, congratulations. You should have done it the first time because on paper and by the way you have played your season, I mean, I was saying from like the second or third game of the season – that Georgia was going to go 
to we, we I I was saying by game two or three, I, I'll put it this way: I was saying by game two, Georgia was going to go to the conference championship. In fact, the funny thing is, everybody knew who was going to the SEC championship. We knew it was going to be Alabama and Georgia. I mean, that just kind of gives you an idea of where the SEC as a whole is at. It's the conference is is net is net down right now. It's not looking too good. That could very well change. I think right now you have two very powerful teams in that conference. Everyone else in that conference looks pretty weak. Uh, there's been a lot of coach fires and hires. That could eventually change, I think, in the next course of a couple of few, couple of years. I think LSU and, and Florida have to get better. Um, they're not going to stay at the at, at the position they're at. Um, Brian Kelly, if that's his name from uh, uh, Notre Dame, who just went to LSU, I, he'll he'll do he'll do good there. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean he. He did great over at Notre Dame with with half the talent. He's probably going to be, um, he's probably going to be a pretty phenomenal coach at LSU. As dirty as it was for him to leave Notre Dame the way he did, uh, you know, I don't like I don't like that. I, I think it's a, it shows just his lack of character. But nonetheless, and listen, it's not a lack of character because he went to Notre to New Orleans to to coach. It's if you want to take a, a money deal. That's fine. The, the 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 problem I have is he basically abandoned his team at the end of the season. Notre Dame had an opportunity; they could have been in the playoffs. You know, it was like Baylor and Notre Dame were knocking on the door to the playoffs. Um, so and he just kind of left. He's like, "No, I can't win a championship here. I'm gone. Bye. Good luck." And that's dirty to me. So I don't care if you go to another school because the money is better or something, or you think the opportunity to win championships is going to be better, which it is. I mean, LSU's academic standards are nowhere near what Notre Dame's are. Um, but anyway, as the SEC will have to, will get better. It's, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be more balanced is what I, what is what I should say. The SEC is always a dominant conference, but right now it's really just two teams, uh, in that conference that are very dominant. Um, and that, 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 that cycle kind of shifts and, and that goes, it's an ebb and flow in all conferences, mainly, especially like the big 10 and the SEC. There, there is times in the big 10 where there is only one or two powerhouse teams, this year we had about three or four that were pretty good. Um, and of course, in November they always self-cannibalize and and uh, they, they just kind of hurt the, each other's seasons because only one of those teams who are in the top top ten are going to win against when they start playing each other. And oftentimes it's one or two teams that kind of beat the other one, or sometimes one beats one and then the other one then they lose to another one and, and it just messes everything up. But nonetheless, a little more balanced at the Big Ten, in my opinion. And, and really, not in my opinion, it's just factual. There's, there's more. There's just more teams that are 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 far better off than some of the teams in the SEC right now. So for all my SEC fans, are spitting out their coffee or throw, or yelling at the radio. I'm not bashing your conference. I'm just simply saying right now you have two very powerful teams. Everybody else looks weak. That's why we were able to say it's going to be Georgia and Alabama in the SEC conference at the end of the year. And if I, I said if Georgia can find a way to beat Alabama, they're going to win a national championship. And that's exactly what I said. If they can beat Alabama in the SEC championship, they will go to the playoffs and they will win a championship. Because they look and, – and, and as the season went on, I continue to say it, they just look unstoppable. I said, it is their – it is theirs to lose. It is theirs – I mean, they this was a Georgia team – that I have personally never seen in the, the time that I've been in Georgia and have been paying attention to the dogs. None of them have looked like this. They've all been good teams. There's no doubt about it, but this was a team that was far different. They were firing on all cylinders complete. It was a, it was a complete package defense, offense, a hundred percent. 
You know, so often you see, and, and this was the case with Alabama, so often you see uh, college football teams, they'll they'll have a good defense, but they maybe they don't have the best offense. Or maybe they have a good defense and offense, but they're only one-dimensional on offense. They have a good running team, maybe not a good wide receiver core. Um, certainly the case with Alabama, I think, this year, from what little I've gotten to watch and, and then watching them in the playoffs, um, they really have a strong receiving core, but their running game is not as strong as um, their receiving core is. Uh, especially when they're playing a team like Georgia. And that was the case for them. When their receiving core got injured, they, they were pretty much done. There, there was really nothing offensively for them to, to go up against Georgia with, and that's why they struggled to score points last, last night. And it was only a matter of time. Um, Georgia just had to stay in it. And I'm going to tell you something. They're lucky they did because they made a ton of mistakes in the first half of that game. It was looking like they just were not going to – I was waiting for Alabama just to pull through. But unfortunately, without having those wideouts, it, it just wasn't going to happen for them. They couldn't make the big plays, and their red zone offense was just terrible. Um, but it was Georgia's it was Georgia's year for sure. So when they when they lost to Alabama in in the SEC comp, uh, championship, I said, "Well, there it is." You know, you know they're good. Maybe they're maybe they're good, but they're not that good. You know, we you know everybody said, well, we're, we're, you know they played a lot of teams and they and they they held everybody to a lo- uh, to very little points. But when it came down to the to the second real big game of the year for them, besides Clemson, which Clemson's you know not Clemson this year, they've had some uh, quarterback issues and offensive issues, which is why I think they're not as good. They'll be back. There's no doubt in my mind. Clemson Clemson will be back. I think they'll be good next year. They'll get their quarterback situation figured out and it'll be okay. And I'm sure Clemson fans, if they were listening to this or uh, were in the room, they could tell me a little bit more in-depth reasons as to why they went the season went the way it did. But they'll be back. I, I have no doubt. Dabo's a great coach, and they've got a lot of talent over there. But um, the second biggest game was the SEC Championship for Georgia. Every other game besides that was, I mean, these, those teams were not they were not strong teams this year. They did not have a good showing period, and, and Georgia kind of emphasized on that just by the way they dominated them. So when they lost to Alabama, you know, that's frustrating. I get it. But at the end of the day, you know, you lost to Alabama. And and in my world, if you don't win your conference championship, you don't deserve to go on to a national championship. And and that's why I think they shouldn't have went. And I know that's frustrating for Georgia fans to hear something like that, like, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. But, you know, in, in any other sport, you don't you don't get to move on if you don't win your conference or your, your division. You know, you have to win your division before you can move on to the next level. But – we haven't adopted that yet in college football. They probably won't. This system in place, um, look, it's all about the money. And the fact of the matter is a Georgia-Alabama game in the, the college football uh, championship brings in a ton of money uh, and a ton of viewers. I'd be interested, and you know what, I'm going to look it up. I'm sure it'll it'll come up. Um but I'd be interested to see the numbers of viewers that watch this game in comparison to others. Uh, I know that the Georgia Michigan game was like one of the largest audience. It was some ridiculous number of people who watched it. Um, it was in the millions, if I'm not mistaken, 2 million people or something crazy. It was like the highest watched football game of the season so far. And uh, I'd be curious to see what the championship game look like in terms of those numbers if it was the same thing because what it comes down to is you know the NCAA and, and the the CFP guys they're they, they're all about providing good 
entertaining football, but they also want the money. They want the sponsors to get paid. They they want everybody to be happy. So they, and they so they want the best possible game matchup. And to them, it's always going to be a Georgia Alabama SEC. Uh, I don't agree with that. I, I think that's that's you know a mis. I think that's a, a misconception. You know, uh, on their part, I know anybody who's in the SEC, they're going to say all day, "Oh yeah, no, SEC is the best conference, and we get the, we have the best games, and blah blah blah." But it's like, nah, it's not really it. But nonetheless, um, you know, I was irritated yesterday. You know, everyone was like, "Oh, Dave, you're mad because Georgia won." It's like, no, I'm not mad because Georgia won. I'm mad because we had to watch a rematch. This is the way, like the way Georgia played against Alabama last night is the way they should have played against them at the championship for the SEC. And they didn't. And so now what we have is what you'll see. What you'll see is the CFP will no longer. This is not going to change anything. It's it's going to reinforce the point of the CFP. The CFP is going to say, "Well, look, the best team won. We let it play out. This is how it worked out. Everything's everything's good." You know, Georgia was expected to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. They didn't, but look, they came back and they won, and all is right in the world. So now we're not going to change anything. Now the system is going to stay the same. I don't really care at this point, if they were to adopt my idea or not. But they have to expand the playoffs. We have to add more teams. Sure, you know what? If Georgia and Alabama went to the playoffs again next year and there was eight teams versus only four, it could very well be likely the, likely the same turnout as it did this year. It could be Georgia and Alabama in the playoffs or the championship again. Fair enough. But the fact is, is with more teams and more opportunities – it's it it it's going to give more opportunities to for other schools to win, but it's also going to give more opportunities for teams like Alabama and Georgia to lose and have somebody else in the, in the running. Um, because let's face it, everybody was rooting for Georgia because they're tired of seeing Alabama in the championship. It, it, because that's just the, that's the case. We have to we have to add more teams to make it more interesting. In my opinion, could be like I said, could always be the same outcome either way, but. We we got to do something. There is a serious imbalance in college football, and it's been that way for about the last. Well, it's really been that way since Saban went to Alabama. I I feel, but there's really only maybe four or five teams that have pretty much all the five star recruits. And I don't believe that that's because of conference. I think it's just the program. You know, you could take Alabama and put them in any conference right now. You could take Alabama and put them in the Sun Belt, and they'd still be a dominating program. They would be the exact same program. Nothing would change. Um, because of what Saban has built over there and that that empire, that dynasty that he has built, everybody wants to play for him. He He – Everybody knows if you go to Alabama, you're going to have a chance at the championship. You're very likely to win a championship. You're very likely to look. You're very likely to get picked up by NFL scouts. You know it. It's a, it, and that's that's why wouldn't it be? Of course it is. Um, and good for Nick Saban or for, for doing it. I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's a whole lot of hard work. And and he's a great coach. I I, I like Saban. I really do. I I think he's. Um, I watched that documentary with him and Belichick, and, and after watching that, I really do like Saban. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a good person. Um, I like his motto of, you know, their motto is like, everybody just do your job. Um, I like that. That's so simple, and yet so 
it's simple but so profound. Like, oh, yeah, just do your job. If everybody just did their job, then every, then everything will work. If you worry about everybody, what the other person next to you is doing, then you're not worried about your job, and then you you stumble, and that other person who may be stumbling, now you got two people stumbling. You get what I'm saying? Anyway. So nonetheless, um, I'm, I'm going off onto a tangent there, but, you know, congratulations to Georgia. I, like I said, this is, this is the outcome I expected all year. It's just I wish they would have won the, this, the, the um, SEC championship, but they didn't, and, and it's just frustrating. It's frustrating we got the same, a, a duplicate game. I'm really happy that the Georgia won. Congratulations. All the fans are happy. Um, you know, hey, if, 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 if the tables return and this was Michigan and Michigan won a, a national championship over Ohio State after losing to Ohio State in a Big Ten championship, I mean, would I still be excited? Sure, I'd still be excited that we won the national championship, but I would still say the same thing. Listen, it's ridiculous that Ohio State and Michigan play each other twice, especially so close. It's one thing if, like, Alabama and Georgia played each other the first game of the season – and then you go an entire year, season long, and then maybe you guys see each other again in the playoffs. I can handle – we can all handle that a little bit better than it's like, oh, four, three weeks ago they, they just played each other. And uh, it's just – it feels more like an SEC football than it does NCAA football. And it feels that way every year. And, again, I know what they're going to say, oh, it's because we're the best conference. <laughs> If we're the best conference, we do football better than anybody. Well, good. Good for you. There's no doubt in the world that the SEC produces some of the best football players in the country. There's no doubt about it. We're not going to argue that. I mean, they practically they practically grow them out here and pluck them from the ground. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, and, you know, that's why you have generally one to two teams every year in the playoffs or – you know, knocking on the door of the playoffs. My point is, like, listen, to, to mix it up, we need to start adding some more teams. So this doesn't prove anything. It doesn't change anything. Now you have uh, – you've got they're, – they're tied. Alabama and Georgia have tied. They basically, as far as I'm concerned, they share a national championship. I mean, because you're both tied at one win, right? So neither of you have proved that either team is better technically. You're both the same. So congratulations. Basically, you beat Alabama, but you almost have to share the championship with them because you're both pretty much at the same spot. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> with that being said, I'm going to move on. <laughs> I was uh, I was going to go right into the diet thing, but I saw this article and I wanted to – it blew my mind. So I was going to mention it on the on the radio. It's from Brett Barn News. Couple, a couple of, of course, now my stuff's acting up, but there's a few things, that, some things in the news that I wanted to talk about. And this one, this one really kind of surprised me. Uh, here we go. The internet. Has anybody ever noticed how like websites just don't work anymore? It's like you pull up a website. And it's just nothing but ads and pop-ups. It's like you get an ad to sign up for whatever newsletter they have. And then there's another pop-up to accept the cookies that you're going to get from them. It's not the good kind of cookies either. It's the bad cookies. The ones that just go into your background, your computer, so everybody can see what you've been doing. And then on top of that, you get like an ad for 
like a weight loss supplement or just some stupid, you know, it's clickbait. It's not going to take you anywhere worthwhile. I don't even know why they put them on there. Is there anybody that actually clicks on those ads that it's like, yeah, like, right. Well, this one's not so bad. This one's like a t-shirt company, American gun association. Maybe that's actually something else. But anyway, these ads are weird. It's just like, does anybody actually click on them? Because they always look kind of like sketchy. You know what I mean? It's like, lose up to 50 pounds now. Click here. It's like, I don't know about that one. Anyway, so this is from Brett Bart News. <clears throat> it's popped up on my Instagram feed. U.S. to gift $308 million in aid to Taliban-run Afghanistan. The U.S. has offered Taliban-controlled Afghanistan $308 million in humanitarian assistance as the country struggles after barely five months of rule by the Islamist terrorist organization. The Democrat-controlled White House has promised the cash boost in an effort to end the humanitarian crisis that followed the chaotic U.S. military withdrawal and Taliban takeover in August of 2021. The aid will be delivered through the independent humanitarian organizations to help them provide health care, excuse me, emergency food and water aid, shelter, sanitization, and hygiene services, and winterization assistance, AP reports. Uh, Afghanistan has experienced economic difficulties since the Taliban seizure of the nation. Well, that's no surprise. Nearly 80% of the previous administration's budget which was used to fund public services such as schools and hospitals, came from the international community and has since been suspended due to the regime change. The collective decision to not recognize the Taliban as a legitimate government has complicated aid efforts as organizations and other nations are reluctant to provide financial aid due to concerns it had the potential to fund the Taliban's atrocities. No, well, no kidding. I mean, let's understand who the Taliban is. It's not like... (laughs) It's not like a group of Quakers took over Taliban here. This is, or excuse me, Afghanistan. It's the Taliban. These are people that funded terrorism, committed terrorist acts on the United States and other countries. They blew people, they had car bombs and roadside bombs. These are not good people. And yet, for some crazy reason, there are there's a small minority of people in the world, including some Americans like Democrats, who seem to want to believe that the Taliban takeover of, of Afghanistan is going to be okay. Like, oh, you know, we could probably work with these people. You can't work with these people. It says here that the United Nations has reported that 22% of Afghanistan's 38 million population are living near famine, and additional 36% are facing acute food insecurity. Well, the problem is with that, The problem is with that is that, first of all, there's really no industry in Afghanistan. I mean, they've got like poppy fields and heroin and all that stuff. And there are minerals and mines to be had there. I think there's uh, lithium that they can mine there, if I'm not mistaken. The China's, uh, but I think China's going to get in on that. But anyway, there's not a whole lot there. And so, and then I, now you have a terrorist regime that is not capable of, I, I, I can imagine that the, t- the, 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 the leaders of that group that have taken over the country are not sitting at a table going, hmm, how do we build more schools? How do we build infrastructure? Mr. Talib, do you have any do you have anything to add to this? No. They're they're probably figuring out how they can build their military and fund attacks against their enemies. 
and they're probably hoarding money. The money's probably is going to, you know, the the leaders of this organization to prominent people who will will help their uh, agenda, and they're not interested in in probably building schools or fire stations and and rebuilding roads and 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 ensuring that people have the the necessary things to survive. And then on top of that, so there's no industry. There's no, I mean, what do people do in Afghanistan for work? And I'm, I generally want to know. Is there an automotive manufacturing plant there where they have like good union paying jobs? I doubt it. So it's it's a it's a problem with the Taliban, but it's also just a problem with the region. It's all that's not a very it's not, never been a wealthy country to begin with. The wealth is usually very predominantly into a certain percentage of the people in in, in charge. It's not like Saudi Arabia. You know, Saudi Arabia's got all that oil. <clears throat> and so they can they can work with that. It says that the it continues to go on that says that uh, since the Taliban takeover, the US has now given more than seven hundred and eighty million dollars in humanitarian aid to the former ally. Alongside this financial commitment, President Joe Biden's White House has sent three point three million coronavirus vaccinations to Afghanistan with another million pledged to be sent AP ads. I I really, you know, if there's one thing Biden's very good at um, above anything, because he's not really good at, at, at anything at all, but I'll tell you, he, they are good at spending our money. They are good at spending money we don't have. I would... <coughs> excuse me, went into a coughing fit there. They're very good at spending money we don't have. I wouldn't give these people a dime. I wouldn't give them nothing. I wouldn't give the Taliban anything. And you could say, well, Dave, you know, you know, what if that funds terrorism? Don't you, you know, what if, you know, what, what if by not helping them, they, they attack us? Let me tell you something. These people are going to attack us and they're going to try to hurt us no matter what. Plain and simple. They are who they are. They've been doing it for, listen, the Taliban is a group that has been around for thousands of years since the Crusades. It is a group of radical individuals based around their religion who want nothing more than to spread their ideology across the globe. And they're going to do it in any way they can. Here it says, even as the, the article finishes off here, even as the aid flowed, reports have surfaced of a return of public executions torture of those branded as opposition, return to the severe oppression of women and Sharia law. Due to the rapid and sudden nature of the American military withdrawal, the legitimate government of Afghanistan fled and millions of Afghanistan's people have been displaced with many traveling abroad, sacrificing whatever stability they had for a new life free of the Taliban. Yeah, so look, what what, what is happening is exactly what we said is going to happen. Um they're going to do what they always do. They're going to, they're, you know, it, it's interesting to me. I'm going to go off on a little side tangent. You know, Christians get a bad rap these days, especially with the liberals, the liberal left in this country. Everybody always wants to, to chastise Christians for being judgmental and hate, hate them. Oh, we don't love, we hate because we're, always constantly judging people and telling people that the way they live is wrong. You know what? Let me tell you something. 
It's a far cry difference when I tell you that you're living in sin and that you should probably think about the the life you're living and, and changing the way you live than coming up to you and saying that you're living in sin and then stoning you to death or throwing you off of a building or 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 executing you in the public or telling you that you can't drive a car because you're a woman or you can't run a business because you're a woman and you have to cover your face because you're a woman. We Christians don't do that. I mean, have Christians done things in the past and, you know, that would be considered, you know, irreprehensible irre- irre- or whatever or considered bad? Yeah, sure. Nobody's perfect. We're all human. We all have done humans do things they're not supposed to do all the time. It's it's not Christianity's fault that some Christians did some bad stuff. <laughs> you know, but the reality is is that those who practice Sharia law, the Muslims that practice Sharia law, that that is an atrocity. It is wrong. And yet for some reason in this country they get a pass. You can't dare say something bad about that. But if you're a Christian, whew, you're evil. They put you up there next to Hitler. It's unbelievable. I just want people to really think about that. If you're not a Christian, that's fine, but I'll, you know, that's on you, but think about that. And the next time you're you want to be highly critical of your Baptist your local Baptist church that may not be accepting of 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 you know, certain communities just understand that they're not, they're not going around throwing rocks and trying to throw them off of a building. Like these guys do, these guys are evil people and they get a pass and it makes no sense to me whatsoever. And now our government wants to basically fund terrorism. We give $308 million to the, to this terrorist organization. How much of that money do you really think is going to go towards infrastructure? I bet there's going to be a lot of shiny new brand, uh, AK 47s. After that, three hundred eight million shows up, but there's going to be a tank or two rolling down the streets, and they're going to laugh at us. They're going to go, "These Americans—they give us money, unbelievable. They just give it to us. We don't even have to try." That's the whole thing. Like these guys aren't even running their country properly. Okay, you wanted the power, you got it. Now do the right thing. Why are we getting involved? We have people here who need our help. We're not getting. There are states that cannot get the antibodies for coronavirus, and you're talking about giving them more vaccines? Come on. It's uh, it's clearly a joke. It's it's sad. It really is. <clears throat> but these are the people that we've elected to run our country, and what they're going to do is they're going to run it into the ground. Speaking of antibodies and CDC and coronavirus. Anyone who knows me and has listened to this show in the past, um, I'm sorry the old episodes are no longer in the internet because they were taken off from this previous uh, uh, distributor that I used to use. I'm now with Simplecast. I used to be with Buzzsprout. Simplecast, in my opinion, is far better. Buzzsprout, you know, as far as customer service and the way it worked, it worked great, but, but – uh, you know, they just charged too much and you didn't get a lot of, you, you, you were limited with what you could upload and it was kind of stupid. But anyway, uh, anybody who knows me knows that I've spoken quite a bit about COVID. I was on top of this thing from the moment it started in 2020. I was on point with everything that I said. The, you know, it's funny how many people told me, who are you, David? You're not a doctor. You're not a scientist. Who are you to talk about this? How do you know all this stuff? What makes you smarter than all these people? First and foremost, it's not that I'm a smarter 
than anybody else. It's not even that I'm smarter than the person that made that, who said that to me. The difference between me and, and a lot of people in this country is I went in and did my research. I went in and was reading between the lines. I, I was reading the facts. Or I was reading the charts, the numbers. I was listening to doctors on both sides of this. I mean, the thing about it is, is it didn't take a genius to realize, wait a minute, something's not right here. This is good. This is not right. Something's going to, this is, this is not what they're telling us it is. And we're overreacting. And really, and truthfully, back in March, my argument wasn't that coronavirus was dangerous or not dangerous. I said, listen, it appears that it's pretty dangerous to certain groups of people. My argument back then was that we shouldn't shut down, you know, the economy. And boy, was I right about that. Look at the disaster we're in now. Uh, the infrastructure, the massive shortages, the massive unemployment. The unemployment's now finally starting to get somewhat back to normal. But it's it's bad, guys. I mean, the, the shortages across the board, it's not just the construction industry. Um, they're talking there's going to be a potential grain shortage. Of course, that has something to do with the fact that China's going to be hoarding some of the grain. Uh, so that might be something more, another, you know, uh, kind of silent attack from China. But nonetheless, I was ahead of all this. And... The media played a very toxic role in this whole thing. They could have told the truth, but they didn't. They played the, the panic mode. They fueled one side of this, this story. They never gave you the full spectrum. Uh, and what we're seeing now, that uh, now that Joe Biden has realized that his whole you know campaign promise of we're going to control this virus they can't do it. It's not possible. And I've said that from the beginning. You can't control a virus. A virus is a virus is a, is a living organism. It's its own it's its own thing. You know, it's it's like you and me. Yeah, uh, but and, and, but worse because you can't see it, right? It's it's invisible in a way. And so and it's an organism and it wants to live and it wants to survive and when you create vaccines and you do all these things, it'll mutate into another form to overcome what you've done to stop it from before. And so there's no real way to control it. You can take precautions, wash your hands, you know, uh, eat healthy. You know, this was an excellent opportunity for America to, to change the tide. And we're going to get into this right after this. In fact, this is a great segue here in a minute. You know, COVID would have been a great time for America to say, listen, if you're under 65 years old, you have the the next so this is the way it, this is the way the numbers play out. 30% almost 30% of the deaths from COVID are from people who are 70 years of age and older, right? Or 80, actually 80 years of age and older. So um that's almost 30%, it's like 28.8% of people. And then from there you go up to about almost 50%, it's 65 and older. So um, we know that coronavirus affects the elderly or people who are older. I'm not saying people who are 60 or elderly, so don't take offense. But it certainly affects them harder than others. And then from there, the people that it affects who are young, they all have comorbidities, and it's genuinely obesity. And, and what has been an epidemic in this country for a long time? Obesity. So this was an opportunity for the United States to say, look, we got to 
we got to really start thinking about our health. Not mandate that we eat healthy. I never, I don't believe in that. But this was, a, instead of doctors going on and saying, wear a mask, stay six feet apart, lock yourself in the basement, they could have said, get out, get some sunlight, because sunlight's good for you. You need that vitamin D. Take a multivitamin, get some exercise, eat healthy, right? That would have that would have helped you to, to, to limit. You're going to get the virus, folks. Everybody's getting it. And now they're saying that Omicron, you're just going to have to get it. Because this, the um, the shots don't work to stop it. And it's pretty contagious. It's not as lethal as the Delta, so that's good. But it's pretty contagious. So everybody's just going to have to get it. And I've been saying that for a while. Um, But Joe Biden, you know, he's he's finally realizing that they can't control this virus. And... Um, I lost the article I was looking up. He, he, they've realized that they, you know, they, he's not going to be able to control the virus. And now this is going to look even worse. So he's already at a low approval rate of like 40%. So now they're in full scramble mode. The administration is starting to change their tune on the vaccines, the comorbidities, the hospitalizations. They're changing it on everything, period. You're, you're going to wa- watch it. It's, it's happening. And guess what? CNN and MSNBC, they're all going to get on board with it. <clears throat> the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle, Rochelle, when asked how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID, CDC, the CDC director answered that data will be forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're going to find out that the majority of deaths from COVID were probably not COVID related. Why? Because it benefited the hospitals to market that way because they would get, I think, upwards of like $30,000 from the government for every COVID case death that they handled. They were getting kickbacks for it. And they got kickbacks of like, I think, four or $5,000 a patient just for them to come in with COVID, like if they tested positive. And then if they went on a ventilator, they got like, a, they got another, like, I think, eight or 10 grand. So you could have, you think about this, you have patient A comes in with flu-like symptoms, you test them, oh yeah, you got COVID, write it down on their chart, boom, there's four grand for the hospital from the government, boom, four grand, one patient. Oh man, this doesn't look good. We're going to put you on a ventilator. Boom. There's 10 grand or something like that. And then if that patient were to pass away, the hospital gets 30 grand. Uh, the CDC director, Walensky, Rochelle, Rochelle Walensky reports in some hospitals that we've talked to up to 40% of the patients who are coming in with COVID are coming in, not because they are sick with COVID, but because they're coming in with something else and have had Omicron variant detected. So over 40% of the patients coming into the hospitals with COVID right now are actually coming in for something else. So you broke your arm, your, your, you know, your, your, you've got a uh, sprained ankle, you cut yourself, but you have Omicron variant detected, 40%, almost half. Uh, the CDC director just said over 75% of COVID deaths occurred in people with at least four comorbidities. 
it's interesting that now all of a sudden, since Biden can now, cannot shut the virus down, as he said, or control it, that they're starting to release this information. This isn't new information, folks. This information has been there. If you're listening to this, this podcast and you're going, well, they're just figuring all this. No, 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 no. They're not just figuring all this stuff out. This stuff has been around for a while. And there's been a lot of people that have been banned from social media. They've been canceled from the cancel culture. They've been sent out to the cornfield because of, and, and, and not just like, uh, you know, news anchors or famous people. I'm talking like doctors, scientists. The gentleman who was on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, last, was it last week? Um, he helped create mRNA virus, uh, antibi- um, excuse me, vaccines. Not specifically for COVID, although I think he may have had a hand in it. But he is, he is one of the creators of this vaccine, these, these types of vaccinations. He's a well-known doctor and scientist, very, very smart guy, banned from Twitter because of his stances on COVID. And these are positions that, have, you know, the Biden administration looks like they're going to start taking. So um, you're, we're getting played like puppets right now. And you know what? It's not the administration that I'm, I'm bothered by. it. I'm bothered by the fact that so many people blindfully and willfully just go along with the information that's fed to them, and they don't go off and do their research. And for people who do and who say, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense, and I have questions, they get told, shut up. You're not a doctor. You're not a scientist. What do you know? And then people don't want to talk to you anymore. It's like uh, I got into a, a an unintentional argument with somebody uh, last year. I didn't mean to. It just got brought up. But sh- they were talking about uh, the ivermectin, and sh- they were this young lady was jokingly saying that oh, it's a horse. It's horse medicine. Like, why would you take horse medicine for for coronavirus? And I simply asked very ca- casually. I'm like, well. If it if it cured if if this horse medicine cured the coronavirus, would you take it? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, then, what are we doing? What are we talking about here? Because a lot of doctors think that ivermectin seems to have a positive effect on COVID patients. You know, the room is divided on it. That's fine. But this medication's not just for horses. For the record, it's been around for a while. It's been administered to humans for for a very long time it's a very safe drug so there's really no there's nothing nothing that's going to hurt you know but this is the kind of this is the 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 arguments you get into with people or the kind of conversations they just want to laugh at you or they just want to laugh and gawk at somebody using something other than you know uh, a coronavirus vaccination which by the way we're finding out is pretty much useless it's good for about 45 to 60 days and then you need a booster. So the vaccination for coronavirus is more like a flu shot at best, uh, but it doesn't provide you from uh, long-term protection. And frankly, you can still get the virus with it. Your symptoms will be just less and you're less likely to die from it. But if you're under the age of 65 and you're healthy, you're already less likely to die from the virus without a vaccination. So what? You get a bad flu. We all get a bad flu. But I'm not going to go on to that rant for too much longer. This, like I said, was an excellent opportunity for us to get uh, to, to steer the health ship of this country back on the right course. Because 
what we are seeing in America, you know what kills, you know what should terrify the hell out of everybody, and it doesn't? The fact that the, the biggest thing, the thing that kills Americans the most, more than cancer, more than car accidents, more than semi-automatic weapons, and more than COVID, it's the biggest killer of Americans in this country. Do you know what it is? Heart disease. Heart disease is the number one killer of Americans in this country. It's not even close. And that should terrify people. And yet, what have we done in this country to change that? Nothing. Sure, they want to, you've had a couple of mayors who want to mandate the size of candy bars and how big of a Coca-Cola you can drink. I don't really want my government to, to put laws in place that limit what people can and cannot eat. If a person wants to drink Coca-Cola, that's on them. It's your freedom to do so. My argument is that we should have systems in place that better educate people. In fact, I found out um, from a doctor, he's a, he was a heart doctor. He was on a, a Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, I can tell you exactly what his name is. Hold on one second. His name is uh, uh, Paul Saladino. He's a doctor. And um, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast talking about, I've totally lost my train of thought because looking that up. Anyway, he was talking about heart disease and everything and the problem there. The, the, we, I don't want to be regulated into what we can and can't eat, but we need to have people. Oh, I, I remember what I was saying. I'm sorry. Uh, he, this doctor, he was saying that most doctors never actually get any formal training on nutrition. So you should ask your doctor. The next time you go to, for a physical or a checkup, ask your doctor just casually, like, hey, when you were in medical school, did you ever have to go through courses on nutrition or did you take courses on nutrition? And according to this gentleman, the vast majority of, of doctors do not. And yet what we're finding out today is that nutrition is so important. Um, there was another doctor on uh, a show that I was listening to. He's a retired like brain surgeon right? Like neurosurgeon. And, uh, he was talking about that. What they're finding out through studies is that the majority of brain health, they used to think that your brain health started in the brain, right? That makes sense. If you have a problem in the brain, that's usually where it's at. But what they're finding out now that almost all of the issues like Alzheimer's and dementia and all the, the problems that go along with brain function, 
the vast amount of diseases out there that you can you can contract or whatever, uh, it all starts in the gut. So what they're finding out is that your gut health is what contributes to your brain health. And, you know, for the longest time, this doctor was saying, he's like, he's like, it's crazy that for the longest time in the medical profession, it, the gut has always just been kind of like, whatever, it's the gut, it's the intestines, food goes in, extracts nutrition, and it just passes through and gets, you know, turns into poop. It was always kind of like overlooked. But what they're finding out is that the gut it actually contributes to, to a lot more than just the brain, just about everything. And so gut health is extremely important. Well, what does that mean? Um, I mean, he went into detail. He was like, the fact that we've issued so many, um, so much, uh, was like penicillin. He's saying that the medicines that we we introduced to people, I'm having a brain fart because I'm kind of spitballing this. It's not in my notes. I went off track, but... um. Antibiotics, the antibiotics, he's like in the nineties and today we just give antibiotics so much to kids. And he's like, what we're finding out is that antibiotics is like an atomic bomb in your gut. It just wipes everything out. All the good bacteria, the bad bacteria, everything that's in there gets wiped out. And he was like, and it causes lifetime damage. He goes, it takes forever for your gut to re- to readjust, to like reproduce the stuff that it needs in there because it's all been wiped out. And he goes, and we've been prescribed antibiotics so much that we're just destroying people, people's gut health. And we're finding out just so much revolves around it. And so we're learning a lot more uh, with health and, and they're finding out it goes along with that. So your diet is so important. Um, if you, you know, it maybe it's common sense to most people, but if you feed yourself crap, you're going to be crap, you know. But what is crap today? That's another argument. There's a lot of arguments out there of what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating. Should you be vegan, right, or should you be just a vegetarian? Can you eat meat? Should you eat no meat? Is meat bad? Is red meat bad? Is chicken okay? What about eggs? No, oh, the egg is okay, but not the yolk. But what about the? No, 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 no. Yolk is not is okay. It's the egg whites. No, no, no. The egg whites are fine. Don't eat the yolks. It's it's constant back and forth, back and forth. I'm going to simplify it for you right now. If it's, if your goal this year into the new year is to lose weight or feel better, I have something here that I think you need to try period. And I'm going to, I'm going to go through it quickly the, this is not a diet, although it's called a diet because it's a simple, it's a simplified way of describing it, right? Because what is a diet? It's restrictive eating in a way. It's kind of like I don't eat this now, I eat that. This is like a lifestyle, and I know that's a cliche thing to say because the people like Weight Watchers are like, this is not a diet. It's a life. It's not. A, it's a diet. Weight Watchers is a diet. The problem with diets is they're generally not sustainable. The problem with a diet is generally you have to starve yourself, right? There's usually starving yourself. You're counting calories. You're trying to figure out what you, you know, what you can eat, what you can't eat. Well, I've had, oh, uh, I've had this much chicken, so now I can't eat uh, any more meat today. I need to have this much uh, rice or, or, um, or maybe I've had so many carbs, now I need to eat nothing but vegetables, and it's just this, 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 and this. And it gets very complicated. It becomes very hard to manage. 
it's hard to eat healthy in any way, shape, or form in today's world because, frankly, there's just more bad food out there, and it's cheaper. It's more readily available. Drive up and down your city street. There's going to be far more fast food restaurants than, say, Whole Foods. Um, so it's harder. It's hard enough to eat healthy. It's even harder when you have to count calories and starve yourself or figure out what you can and can't eat in terms of like that. Now this this particular diet, you it does it is a restrictive diet, but it's it's a, it's simple. Okay, um, this diet was created by a gentleman um, named Vinny Tortorich. Um, Vinny Tortorich is spelled V I N is November N I E T O R T O R I C H, and you can go to vinnytortorich.com or you can Google what the diet is called. The diet is called N S N G. That's N is in November. S and is in November G and the NSNG stands for no sugar, no grains. And just from right there, it's pretty self-explanatory. And so this is what I went on in November. I decided, um, I went and had a physical done for the first time in like, I don't know, six years since being out of the Marine Corps, I went and got a physical. And prior to walking into that physical, I knew I was overweight. I knew I was out of shape. And, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what my blood work would bring back. I didn't know what any of it would bring back. Thankfully, my blood work came back good. The only thing that they saw was high cholesterol. Not really worried about high cholesterol. Um, there's, there's literally no, there's no scientific evidence that shows that proves for a fact that, that high cholesterol or any type of cholesterol uh, leads to heart disease uh, or any other pulmonary problems. It's it's just not it's just not there. The evidence isn't there. That the the studies are all out of whack. They're not they're not they're, they're not done properly. They they attribute it to red meat and, and fat, but they're not really looking at the bigger picture. They don't attribute it to anything else. And and so the studies aren't really they're really not definitive. So uh, I'm not too worried about the the cholesterol. But what I what I said was I was like you know what I gotta I gotta I gotta do something about my health. And it's got to start right now. I'm not going to wait till New Year's. I'm just going to do it now. But maybe you did wait till New Year's. Um, so Vinny Tortorich, uh, he has a degree in physical education from Tulane University. He's been a phys- uh, personal trainer working with private clients in New Orleans and Los Angeles since the 80s. Uh, he played football for Tulane. Uh, he has taken podium in several world championship 24-hour mountain bike races and has competed in multiple ultra cycling events such as uh, Furnace Creek 508 in the race across Oregon. In 2007, he was diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, he says he was lucky the chemo had worked. But uh, speaking with his doctor on how to prevent it from coming back, he asked her uh, what what I should be eating. You know, he said, should I be juicing, uh, as in like fruits and vegetables, uh, become a vegan or a fruitarian? And he said that her answer had surprised him. She gave him two pieces of advice. She said, one, take extra B vitamins, and two, cut down your sugar consumption. Uh, he had uh, parentheses carbohydrates as much as possible. Uh, and that was going to be tough for him because, you know, he was a competitive cyclist, so he thought, well, I have to consume sugar because that's the rule of thumb. Uh you know, every, everybody thinks that uh, if you if you're going to train hard and work out hard, you got to have so much sugar and grain for the body. But what he ended up finding out that he when he cut out all the sugar and grains from his diet, not only did he feel better, but he performed better. 
Um, he noticed that after a long, hard workout, he didn't have his, the same amount of inflammation and soreness in his joints and muscles, and he f- began to feel a lot better and perform better over time. Uh, I can tell you, I'm not a professional athlete anymore, uh, never was, but uh, as a Marine, I always said we were basically like athletes uh, as much as we trained, but I'm a pretty much an average guy. Um, I don't work out, but I can tell you when I started this diet in November, within the first couple of weeks, I already, I immediately felt a difference. It's actually funny because I started the diet in November and by the end of the month, when Thanksgiving came around, I had, I cheated because it's Thanksgiving, of course. And I could feel my body reacting to the food I was eating. Like I could feel a difference. I could feel my, uh, a change in the way I felt. And, and it wasn't like, um, oh, I'm just, I feel tired. You know, like I got to go sleep because of the turkey. It wasn't even that because we didn't have turkey. We had ham. Um, but I could feel the physical difference. I could, could feel uh, like uh, an itchiness on my skin again. My mouth was like dry. Couldn't drink enough water. Um and of course, the sluggishness came along with that as well. Uh, he says here in his program, you know, he has on his website at vinnytortorich.com. Now, just a heads up to everybody who's listening: I am not uh, endorsed by this. He doesn't know I'm even talking about it. This is just some, simply my personal opinion. I'm on this diet right now. I swear by it. I think it works really, really well. I've done a lot of different types of diets, and uh, uh, I've done the the, um, the paleo diet when I was in the Marine Corps. The paleo diet works really, really good. The, the, the only thing I don't like about the paleo diet is it is pretty restrictive in terms of what you can and can't eat. Uh, it's not as restrictive as this diet, and it's also extremely expensive because if you follow the, the paleo diet to the T, you can really only eat fresh organic food. You can't eat anything. You can't even have, like, frozen vegetables, technically. So it's, it's a problem. It's hard to do. This one is far easier to maintain. Um it says NSNG stands for no sugar, no grains. Uh, and it says here as a term, he said NSNG started as a, started off as a term that he would use with his clients to make a lower carbohydrate diet easier to understand and adopt. You know, um, you know, he makes a, he makes a great point here, which is, he says, you may be thinking I'm taking away all the good stuff, but here, you know, the good news is, uh, you're going to be able to eat a lot of good food on this diet, and it's true. Um, I have eggs every day for breakfast. I have uh, generally a, uh, some sort of protein with it. Uh, it could be bacon. It could be sausage. Uh, I've even had leftover chicken with my eggs. Um, I eat anything. I, I eat as much meat as I want. I eat tons of meat. Um, I do. I eat cheese. Uh, I eat sour cream. Um you know, the thing about the diet, this diet is you can have all kinds of dairy if you want to have dairy. Um, the only re- the only thing I would say is if you don't want to, if you don't, if dairy doesn't agree with you, then maybe stay away from it, but you can still have dairy. Be very careful though, because there's, there tends to be a lot of sugar and things like milk. So be careful when you're, when you're um, uh, drinking, if you drink a lot of milk, because um and, and don't, don't drink anything but whole milk. If you're going to drink milk, drink the whole milk because the fat in that whole milk is good for you. You need that fat. The skim milk and everything else is just not doing it for you. The, the whole point of NSNG, too, it's, it's a very high-protein, high-fat diet. Um, you know, th- there's, there's a lot of common – there's some 
there's a lot of food in this out there. And he and he lists them here on this little this this brochure and it says, you know, some common beliefs that many people still hold and which are fiercely reinforced by the food and diet industries are the following. Calorie in, calorie out is the only way to lose weight. Veganism and vegetarianism is the best way to lose weight and be healthy. We all need to eat five servings of fruits per day. Fruit is okay because it's natural sugar. Uh, whole grains are good for you. Always choose the low-fat option. Uh, I would actually strongly always, I tell everybody all the time, never choose a low-fat option. Um, and the reason why I would, I, I go to the grocery store. The next time you're at a grocery store, just look. Go to, go to the dairy aisle. This is a great example. Take a, take a regular uh, option and then look at the low-fat option and then flip it over. You'll see that the no-fat option has no fat. But what they replace it that fat with, because what is fat? Fat is flavor. That's why it's all in there, right? So what what do you got to do? Because the product still has to taste good. They load it up with sugar. So sugar is far worse than fat at any day of the week. And so, yes, the regular, like, for instance, I posted this on my Facebook. If you look at half and half regular and half and half uh, fat-free, low-fat, um, both have sugar in it because of the milk has sugar. It has there's always going to have some sugar to it. But if you look at the fat-free option, I mean, it is loaded up with sugar. It's very bad for you. Um, I don't agree with this food. He, he lists that honey, agave, maple syrup, artificial sweeteners are okay. Uh, I would stay away from artificial sweeteners, uh, and I would stay away from maple syrup. There are a lot of studies out there that, that natural honey is very good for you. Not the processed stuff that you get from the grocery store, the honey that you see next to um, peanut butter and jelly and all that, that's like mass-produced honey, that tends not to even be real honey. It's usually cut. It's usually a like a, a syrup concentrate that they make into with honey. So you got to be really careful. If you're going to eat honey, um, I would say on this diet, unless you're – and I'll get to this here in a minute because he makes a very valid point about this. Um, honey is okay in moderation and low and low amounts and always eat local raw, uh, honey is what I would recommend because there are some, there is nutrition to it, but don't, I would not consume like a buttload of it. I don't actually, I don't eat any of it at all. Um, saturated fat is bad for you. Actually saturated fat is really good for you. That's a, a, a myth here that I agree with. Uh, only eat a whites. Nope. Eat all the eggs. Uh, diet sodas and foods are okay. Don't ever eat anything that says diet on it, uh, especially diet soda. Diet soda is really bad for you. So diet soda, the artificial sweeteners in diet soda actually prohibit you from burning calories. It's the chemicals in there that actually prohibit your body from burning uh, calories uh, and carbs. So you won't lose weight. You're going to drink it. It's still got all this artificial sweetener on it. It's a chemical. It's poison. And it's it's going to have a negative effect on your body. And you're then now your body is not longer going to pr- properly digest and, and break down uh, the carbohydrates. Um, so if you're looking to do this, this for, for it says here, the science of it all, I think this is important. I'm going to read from him. This is from his website. It says the major benefit of NSNG and carb restriction is rapid weight loss from a reduction of insulin and glucose spikes. Although it is helpful to track macronutrients on any diet, most people lose weight inadvertently on NSNG without making a conscious effort to restrict calories. This is very true. Uh, when I when I started it, I lost um, I lost almost ten pounds within the first two weeks. 
And, uh, well, by the end of November, I went from 201 down to 192 uh, by in, in just under a month with no, no additional exercise other than walking my dogs uh, on occasion and working. That's it. And um, I... I like I didn't even I really didn't get on the diet to lose weight. I got on it to really just um, to to feel better. So the it it certainly you certainly will lose it. It's no doubt. He said goes on here to say weight loss is easier due to fewer cravings and appetite control through a normalization of hormones like leptin and and ghrelin, which are dysregulated in people with more uh, adip adiposity, and who are consuming excess carbohydrates. Generally speaking, the more you adhere to NSNG, the easier it gets, fewer sugar cravings, and the more fat loss and health benefits you will derive. Uh, emerging, yeah, I agree with that. So the interesting thing about it is uh, the first week of the, the diet I did, it was tough because I was used to having sweets all the time. I was I was regularly, I was a dessert guy all the time for sure. Um <laughs> So it was tough for that first like week and a half, two weeks. But after a while, it got super easy. It's been tough now into the new year to get back fully on it because I cheated again for Christmas because it's Christmas, man. Your wife's baking cookies and stuff. You're going to cheat. I mean, listen, here's my thing. Um, I, I'm not somebody who's in, in medical, medically bad shape. So I, I'm allowed to, ha- I think it's okay for me to cheat on a holiday for sure. But it, it, but since doing that, it has been harder to get back on it. But once I, once I cut it out hundred percent altogether, it, it, it does get easier. It's crazy how your body just kind of re kind of redirects itself uh, and fixes it. Um, there's a, it says here that there's a uh, emerging data supports the NSNG lifestyle. And a recent study was published in the Lancet showing the potential dangers of excess sugars and grains and the benefits of replacing those carbohydrates with calories from fat. Um, There's an excellent documentary. If you want to rent a documentary, and I highly recommend it, from Vinnie Tortorich, go on to Amazon or wherever and look up Fat, the documentary. It'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. Uh, it goes on here to say that the fact is obesity is not a normal is not a moral weakness or a character defect. It is a result of damage done to our bodies by overconsumption of the type of foods that we are promoted as healthy by the government. That is slowly beginning to change, by the way, and constantly advertised and sold to us by the food and diet industries. It's not our fault that we've been misinformed, but it is our responsibility. Uh so the big thing about this guys the best way to do this and he says it in here is just to go full hard on it like full don't 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 weed yourself into it the easiest way to do this diet is just go cold turkey on everything and if that means going into your refrigerator and throwing all your food out i would then do it like throwing all the bad food out do it so Anything that contains sugar or grains, and you'll find, and anything that's a substitute for sugar, uh, and a list, you know, throw it away. Don't eat it. Anything with a label that reads low fat, non fat, low calorie, light, including low fat, skimmed, or non fat dairy products, get rid of it. Don't eat it. Eat the regular. Drink whole milk. Eat full fat yogurt. Uh, drink regular half and half in your coffee if that's how you like your coffee. Stay away from the sugary creamers. 
Anything that is a diet product and contains any alternative or artificial sweetener, get rid of it. Don't don't eat it. It's poison. Protein bars, energy bars, health food bars, vegan bars, protein powder, and energy gels. Get rid of it. Full of bad stuff. You ever drink a protein shake? You generally feel like dog crap after you, you drink them. I always did. So does diet. So does fruit. Fruit and vegetable juices, sports drinks, coconut water, chocolate milk, and energy drinks. Get rid of it. That's the short list. The interesting thing is sugar is is the big culprit here, guys. And is it's any wonder why type 2 diabetes and diabetes in general is becoming a huge problem in the United States. I like to – my new thing since being on this diet is I like to walk through the aisles of the grocery store and read the labels on on foods that we would expect to be healthy. Like, for instance, Italian sausage, right? Sausage is good for you. It's, it's fat, it's meat. Protein, cool. Nothing wrong with eating sausage, uh, the ground sausage, or any sausage, really. But what's inside of it is what's the problem, the stuff they add to it. And it's funny, Italian sausage, you think, okay, Italian seasoning, some herbs, spices, whatever. They actually put, in this particular brand, they put corn syrup in it. I'm like, why is corn syrup in Italian sausage? Why does that even need to be in there? So I can't eat it. And I don't want to eat it because corn syrup is, I mean, if there's one thing that's worse than cane syrup or cane sugar, it's corn syrup. Corn syrup is ugh. He has a list of of different names for sugars that you're going to see on foods. Uh, and it's 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 a crazy list. Like it goes on and on for like a page. It's a full page. Like I'm not kidding you. When I look at this, you can see all this stuff at vinnytortorich.com. Uh, to get this. PDF, you have to send him your email. Do it because he doesn't spam your email at all. He doesn't. He won't send you nothing. It's. I think it's just a way for them to see how many people are visiting the website and, and wanting to learn. I've never gotten an email from him, uh, and I've sent him the and I've sent him my email. I don't get anything from him. So um, here's a list. Of, you may say, well, it's bad marketing. Well, maybe it is, but it, it's nice that you don't get flooded with emails, with like so many other companies do. Uh, just to name a few here, you have agave nectar, Barbados sugar, barley malt, barley malt syrup, beet sugar, brown sugar, brown rice syrup, buttered syrup, cane juice, cane juice crystals, cane sugar, caramel, carob syrup, castor sugar, coconut palm sugar, coconut sugar, coconut nectar, confectioner sugar, corn sugar, corn sweetener, corn syrup, corn syrup solids, crystalline fructose, dates, date sugar, dehydrated cane juice, uh, demerara sugar, dextrin, dextrose, evaporated cane juice. I mean, there just goes on. Fructose. Maltose, maltol, maltodextrin, malt syrup, lactose. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. Sucrose, rice syrup, uh, refiner syrup, raw sugar. Um, and, of course, you know, your list of grains that you want to avoid on this diet. Wheat, corn, rice, quinoa, uh, oats, spelt, kamut, barley, rye, bulgur, polentas. Uh, foods that I would, you're, you know, you're going to want to, it's going to be cut out. Uh, pasta, bread pastries, pizzas, pies, cookies, uh, thick sauces. Uh, you know, when it comes to sauces, make your own. It's so easy to make your own spaghetti sauce. You'd be surprised at how easy it is. Stay away from the stuff in the store because the store, the stuff in the store is loaded with sugar uh, and, and generally some other weird stuff, things you can't pronounce. Soy sauce, crackers, chips, breaded foods, battered foods, grits, tortillas, tacos, and tortilla chips. That's a hard one for me. Uh, dim sum, dumplings, and matzo. Just to name a few. 
Uh, stay away from white potatoes. Uh, his diet actually says don't eat uh, sweet potato. But on my paleo diet, sweet potato was one of the very few things we could eat. Um, I, I'm fine. They're lower in, they are lower in carbohydrates uh, than the white potato. Uh, but they are still high in carbs. So if you're looking to lose weight, like if your goal is to lose weight and you want to do NSNG to the T, uh, don't eat sweet potatoes. Stay away from the sweet potato. Um, you should drink plenty of water. Uh, unflavored sparkling water is perfectly acceptable. Coffee unsweetened is good. If you need to put something in the coffee, you don't like it black, half and half is a great way to go. The fat from that half and half is good for you. It's going to give you a little pep in your step. Black and green teas are good. Herbals and fruit teas, broth, chicken broth, etc. Uh, avoid alcohol if you can. Uh, I like alcohol. I don't drink very much beer. Beer is obviously NSNG. Most hard liquors are NSN, are not NSNG. But alcohol is really bad for you too. It has a per- profoundly a, uh, a lot of bad effects on the body but you know of course a special occasion by all means but so what can you eat on this diet what should you be eating on this diet uh, eggs bacon beef chicken lamb pork fish seafood cheese of any kind hard cheese is better uh, full fat plain yogurt that's the best yogurt to eat don't eat any other stuff plain yogurt don't eat the, the flavored yogurt that's loaded with sugar cottage cheese the fattiest one you can find heavy whipping cream uh, creme fraiche, vegetables, uh, except potatoes and corn on the cob. Uh, corn's basically pure sugar. Green salad of all types, raw nuts. Uh, here's the funny thing about raw nuts, or, or nuts in general. Um, watch out for the, your seasoned nuts. You think, oh, I'm going to get a pack of like uh, cashews and walnuts. This will be good. It's good for you. Nuts are good for you. And you're right. You can even get the low-sodium ones. Look at the back of the package you'll notice that they are cooked in palm oil. Um, I'm going to get to that here in about two seconds. Um, the Really, the only nuts you can buy, you can eat on this on this, this particular diet is raw nuts, Un, unroasted, unseasoned. Season them yourself. You know, go buy, if you like, if you're someone like me who loves almonds and loves cashews and all that, buy the raw ones. All, all it will be, it will say on the ingredients, whatever the nut is, cashew, almond. Get that, take it home, um, use some olive oil, avocado oil, or butter, or beef tallow uh, if you need to, and then season them yourself with a little bit of salt because then it, then you're avoiding the, the palm oil. Uh, other things you can have on this diet, butter, olive oil, avocados, and avocado oil, berries, and cherries. Um, berries and cherries is actually the only fruit he says you're allowed to eat. He says this to avoid fruit altogether. I don't do that because I don't eat a lot of fruit anyway, um, so I still eat fruit. I don't care. And there's a lot of really good information on here. He talks about exercise is a poor way to lose weight. Uh, what to expect in your first few days. Um, so the big thing you guys have to understand is that, you know, it, you know, aren't grains supposed to be healthy answer? Well, we've, we've always been told that grains are particularly healthy for our hearts and our digestion. However, grains, including whole grains, are very high in carbohydrates, and high-carbohydrate diets have an enormous negative impact on our entire system. Findings from a study published recently in The Lancet further show that high-carbohydrate foods are bad for us and that fats are extremely healthy. High-carbohydrate intake was associated with a higher risk of total mortality. 
whereas total fat and individuals with types of fat were related to lower total mortality. Total fat and types of fat were not associated with cardiovascular disease, myocardial, mar, myocardial infar, infarction, that's a big word to say, and, or cardiovascular disease mortality, whereas saturated fat had an inverse association with stroke. Global dietary guidelines should be reconsidered in light of these findings. That is from the study published in The Lancet. So we're finding out that grains really aren't good for you. And there may have been a time in the past uh, where they were, but the, the problem with grains is they're so heavily modified now that they're not the same grains that our ancestors ate. So there is probably something to that as well. Um, they're so modified that they're probably loaded up with far more sugar than they ever used to have. And so there's some there's probably a reason. Uh, they're, they're, they very well have, could have been much better for you uh, in, in the past. But we've modified all of our vegetables and grain. They're not the same vegetables and grains we were eating uh, many, many, many moons ago. You can still get heirloom seeds. In fact, if you are a gardener, uh, and most gardeners know this, if you want to plant your garden, get heirloom seeds. Do not buy uh, the other the other type because the heirlooms are the natural. The, they aren't uh, the engineered stuff. Um, so some of the suggested fats that you should get on here will be grass-fed butter, coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, avocado oil, heavy whipping cream. I use heavy whipping cream in my eggs, uh, nut butters, but be careful with nut butters because a lot of the over the counter nut butters have, um, they have a lot of additives in, in, in the bad oils. Um, Check your olive oil, too, if you're going to use olive oil. Be very careful with olive oil. Apparently, I learned about this not long ago, There, the the food administration allows avocado, or excuse me, olive oil companies to cut their olive oil with vegetable oil. So it can actually be like a 50-50 or an 80-20 or some sort of cut. Um, so if you're going to buy olive oil, buy it, you're going to get what you pay for. Um, he recommends a brand called Villa Capelli. I have not used that brand yet, but that's something to think about for sure. Uh, other fats, uh, lard, tallow, bacon grease, uh, ghee, MCT oil, full-fat dairy, if you can tolerate it, olives, and avocados. Um, so that's kind of just the generic of it. <laughs> I, I strongly suggest it. Let me tell you something, folks. My hands used to hurt. My joints used to hurt. I was I, I would have puffy fingers. I would feel tired. I used to have really bad itchy skin. Um, since I've changed this diet, I have felt so much better. And for me, that's more that means more than anything. I have lost a lot of weight. I'm down to 191, and I'm kind of holding there, uh, which is okay for me. I'm six foot uh, two. 191 is a good range, I think, to be at. Um, my old fight and weight in the Marine Corps was about a buck 83. So not too bad, but nonetheless, like I just feel so much better. Uh, and I have energy. I can work longer. I can go longer without eating. I, I, I used to, to have to have lunch every day. Now I don't, I can skip lunch. I can fast through the day if I have to. And it's, it's not even, it's not so, so bad. One of the other things that I would like to talk about outside of NSNG real quick, and I strongly recommend you guys look into this diet. Um, it's very easy to do. I know it sounds really bad. One of the things you have to remember, um, 
unless you're somebody who's like diabetic or has some sort of pre-existing condition or some sort of core mobility, maybe you're 300 pounds overweight. Um, if, if you're not in that category where you're someone whose health, health is just really bad, where you have to make crazy dietary restrictions, you're allowed to, to fluctuate. You know, if you're like me, you're a buck 91, generally very healthy young man. Um, you, you can have the occasional cookie. You can have a day where you go have a slice of pizza. Uh, for me, what I've started to do in January um, and what I plan to do in the future is, is, is where I can, where I can do NSNG, I will. So when I go out to dinner, uh, my wife and I love this. There's a good burger joint in town. Uh, I get the burger without the bun. I usually do double the patty and I have, you know, the, the particular burger I like to have has a fried egg on it and it comes with bacon. So it's two patties, some cheese, a fried egg and a bacon. I, that's what I get. And I usually get like a side of broccoli uh, or, a, or a salad. And then with the salads, you know, I do like a vinaigrette, you know, I try to, I try to avoid the house sauces because they tend to be loaded up with sugar. But you know, if you can't avoid it, do a vinaigrette uh, at home. I just do olive oil and vinegar, red wine, red wine, red wine vinegar uh, in my salad. That's how I eat it. Um, I don't do the, the ranch and all that stuff. It's not, it's not good for you. You can make your own ranch if you want to just avoid the sugar and uh, the process oils. And on the, onto that process oil thing, you know, a lot of people don't know this because you go to the grocery store, you see like canola oil, cooking oil, uh, vegetable oil, and you'll see there at the very bottom, this is like heart, the American Heart Association backs this product is, is, a, is something good for your heart. Let me tell you something, folks. Corn oil and vegetable oil is literally industrial waste. It is bad for you. It is poison. Um, they're finding out that that these these palm oils and these process oils are probably the reason why heart disease and um, cardiovascular disease is on the rise because what this stuff does is, you know, cholesterol is not necessarily a bad thing. Cholesterol, your body produces cholesterol on its own. So you could literally be a vegetarian or vegan rather, and still have, still have high cholesterol or produce cholesterol. Uh, so no matter what you do, your body will produce it. It uses cholesterol to move things around in your, your body uses cholesterol to move things around in, in the body. Um, and so, the, the common theme for so long was, oh, if you eat a lot of red meat, that causes inflammation of the arteries, causes plaque, causes a blockage in the artery. Well, that actually, there's no evidence for that. And what they're, they're starting to find out now is that actually these process oils are what's causing, essentially what it's doing is, is it, the, it's, it causes damage to the blood cell. There's a, there's a fancy terminology for it, and I'm sure I'm butchering it. But they, it, it damages the blood cells. And what ends up happening is that's what creates, uh, causes cancer, causes inflammation in the arteries, causes inflammations in your joints, and causes what, and then that's what causes the anterior blockage. So um, I don't care if you do the NSNG diet, but if I, could, if I could just literally say one thing to you, if there's one thing you would do for me, and I plead with you in all my heart, don't eat vegetable, don't, don't consume any kind of vegetable oil, palm oil, uh, grapeseed oil, uh, corn oil, whatever it is. Stay away from that stuff. Don't consume margarine. Uh, I can't believe it's not butter. Stay away from it. That stuff is going to kill you for sure. Um, it is It is literally poison, and I mean that in all seriousness. Um, so avoid it at all costs. Use something like beef tallow or butter 
or olive oil. Olive oil or avocado oil is a great option to cook with over those others. Um, avocado oil has a high heat, has a high smoke temp, so you can cook a lot with it. If you're going to deep fry something, I suggest beef tallow. You know, it's funny, um, many, many, many year, decades ago, and I think it was like the 70s and the 60s, you know, places like McDonald's, they deep fried their French fries in beef tallow. tallow. They didn't switch over to peanut oil or vegetable oil until the late 80s. Um, so it's certainly doable, and it probably would taste a million times better, in my opinion. Um, if you've cooked anything in bacon fat or beef fat, you'll know it's it tastes better. So I hope that maybe you get something out of this. I strongly recommend it's a It's a quick read. It's um, it's 24 individual little brochure pages here. It's at uh, nsng.vinnytortorich.com, and, or you can just Google NSNG, and he'll pop up. Uh, and look into the documentary, Fat. He has a second documentary, Fat 2, a documentary. I haven't watched that one yet. I plan on it. And then he has another one coming out. Really, uh, I think it might have come out this past or yesterday actually, and it is called Beyond Impossible. It's available at Amazon Prime. Uh, it is a documentary about the daint this the new thing coming down the pipeline, which is this impossible meat. You saw Burger King and McDonald's do it, now they're starting to pop up at grocery stores. Uh, meat companies like Tyson and Purdue are getting on board with this because it's cheap, it's easy to make, and it's very profitable. But this stuff here is really, really bad for you. Um, I strongly recommend going over and at least watching the documentary. The crap they're putting into that stuff, it, it is going to kill us. Uh, so look into it. Um, eat healthy as much as you can. And uh, please, by all means, go look at this gentleman's website. It's it's really good stuff. It's compelling. Uh, I've been doing it for two months. Uh, I'll be going on the third, even though I don't really think this hasn't been a real full NSNG month for me. Uh, but I can tell you right now, hands down, I feel so much better since I've done it. I mean, just so much better. The, the, I'm telling you, I used to have horrible pain in my hands, especially this time of year. Like when it get it would get cold, I would start to feel pain. And I thought, well, maybe it's just because, you know, I've hurt my hands so many times. I've had nothing this year, this winter season. And I just feel, I just feel so much better. Um, I strongly, strongly recommend it. If you are looking to do a diet, if you're looking to get healthy and you want something that's going to work, none of these fad diets, none of these counting calories, you don't have to restrict yourself. The only thing you can't eat is sugar or grains. That's that simple, but you can have as much chicken as you want, as much beef as you want, as much veggies as you want. Uh, any of the other stuff you're allowed to eat, eat as much of it as you want. Now, if, if you're trying to lose weight, you may want to kind of, you know, meal plan a little bit. But uh, this is going to be the thing that's going to help you the most. I guarantee it. It's helped me. I swear by it. Not only are you going to lose weight, you're going to feel better. This isn't one of those diets where you starve yourself. There's nothing sustainable about starving yourself. Think about that. Like, oh, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to starve myself. I'm only going to eat like one meal a day, and then the rest of the day I'm going to eat protein bars. It's like, okay, well, that's great. But what are you going to do after, What are you going to do three months later when you, can't, you it's just not sustainable anymore? Well, I want to. I think I'm going to go vegan. Well, the problem with being a vegan, if you're going to be a true vegan, is that it again, that's not sustainable because it's you're you're going to lack the protein you're going to you're going you're going to need to get. And what? So here's the funny thing about veganism that they don't want to tell you about. So what is your heart? Your heart's a muscle, right? So what is what? What do muscles need? Protein. If you don't get enough protein in your diet, 
what begins, what happens is your body begins to break your muscle mass down to get the protein it needs for, to, to work. And so if you don't have a huge muscle build, guess what muscle begins to get robbed from the heart. That's why so many, listen, I, I, I spoke with a cardiovascular tech. He, he was like a technician with a heart. They do heart surgeries. He's like, we've had, we have vegans. We have vegetarians and vegans come in with full blockages all the time with He's like, we can't, we don't know why we can't explain it. We know why, because they're probably eating a lot of vegetable oils and palm oils, which is causing the inflammation and the damage to the blood, the blood cells, but also because they're not getting enough protein in their diet because they don't eat meat. Their body is robbing the nutrients from other sources, including the heart. And that's why the heart's failing. So, you know, you could say, well, I'm going to be a vegan. That's fine if you want to be a vegan, but just know you're going to have to, con- you need to make sure you get enough protein. And that's a hard thing to do. There's very few people that are true hundred percent vegans. Um, I think it's a bad diet. I don't think it's a sustainable diet. I don't think it's a natural diet. If you look at who we are and how we're built, we are built to eat meat. We are carnivores. We are hunters. We've been that way our whole life. There's no reason why you shouldn't be eating meat. Meat is good for you. It's the best thing for you. There's a lot of doctors out there right now and physicians uh, and nutritionists that are actually saying that really the only thing we should be eating is meat. That's a whole other co- topic for another day. But if you're going to do something, do something that's sustainable. Don't don't hurt yourself and rob yourself of food or, or, or anything because you want to lose some weight. Because in three months when you've started on the starving diet, guess what happens? You go back to starting to eat, guess what? The, the weight comes back. This is the easiest thing I've ever done. It sounds like it's going to be hard, but right now it's actually, this is the best time to do it because it's January and February. There's no holidays. There's no reason to eat. There's nobody baking pies and cakes because of, because of the holidays. There's no reason to eat any of that crap. So this is a good time to start if you're going to do it. No sugar, no grains. That's simple. High fat, high protein diet. I guarantee you, you're going to lose some weight. You're going to feel a lot better. <clears throat> so on that note, folks, this show went long. But you know what? That's the beauty of being on Simplicast because now with Simplicast, I can record for as long as I need to. I'm not restricted to any certain amount of time, so I can say what I need to say. And I had to talk about college football and diets and Biden. I look forward to coming back to you on Wednesday. You guys have a great evening. Take care. <laughs>